listening to 207 Real Talk. Once again, this is your host, Julian Perry. It's a pleasure to be here with you once again. And in this episode, I'll be chatting a bit about stopping the violence and the government's key role that they need to play in living up to their responsibility. I'll be right back. So welcome everyone to another episode of 247 Real Talk Podcast. As I said, it's a pleasure to be here with you for another episode. And I want to chat a bit, you know, have a real quick conversation today about the violence. And when I say the violence, I'm in New York. There's violence across this country in some states more than others, like in Chicago, New York, Detroit. And I'm going to focus on New York because that's what's real to me. Last week, what really prompted you know, my, my anger with this whole situation is two young kids, two school kids who were shot. One was 15 years old, apparently sitting on a park bench. Some other kids came up to him. An argument ensued. I guess a fist fight broke out. Someone shot him. In, one to two guys shot him in the chest and killed him. And then the next day, I think it was, a 17-year-old was shot outside his school. If we go back over the last few months, there have been young boys and girls shot outside schools all over New York. And, you know, there are many opinions on this. Many of them saying, you know, it's um, minority against minority. Let's just keep it the way they say it's black on black crime. And I know there are a lot of uh, groups out there that have these stop the violence rallies and, and, and calling for people to put down their guns and stop settling arguments with, with, with fights and, and shooting, um, but to come together, unite, talk, and, and, and stand to solve the problem. And why I applaud those groups for doing that. The problem is none of that addresses the core of the problem. None of that addresses... Um, what has happened historically that has created this environment. You know, many people get upset when you say, oh, well, stop blaming the past. But the past is what's responsible for the present, and the present is what is going to be responsible for the future. If we go back and we look at the neighborhoods that, you know, where this violence is occurring, they are oppressed neighborhoods. There are neighborhoods where there's not a lot of investment in schools, there are neighborhoods where people have been compartmentalized in, in, in low-income housing. There are neighborhoods where, you know, even the, the, the graduates of those neighborhoods, those who push and those who, you know, go to college and, 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 and graduate are faced with something that even our president, current president, acknowledged as true systemic racism. And when I keep referring to that, I mean because I myself have been a victim of this, and so many of you have. You know, you go for that job, and you and you don't get it. You're all excited about it. And you don't give up and you go for the next one, the next one, the next one. And this is not because you're undereducated or you're unqualified. This is you're someone who has who has gone to college, who's gotten a bachelor's. Many of us have masters and we face the same challenge. And sometimes the challenge is the result is legitimate, but more times than others it is not. More times than others, there's either 
companies that don't want to hire minorities or companies that have a quota on how many minorities they hire. And so, you know, I've had a past three or four episodes that focused on some aspect of student loans. And you wouldn't necessarily immediately see the direct uh, connection between them, but it's part of this problem. We start with the people who come out of those neighborhoods who are trying to make a better life. And so they go, they don't have any, any uh, they come from a certain socioeconomic uh, group. And the only way out is to go to college. And, you know, there was a conversation I, I heard a couple of days ago where, people, where someone was saying, you know, uh, many people have not gone to college and have made it, you know, made it. Um, but that's not the majority. We still stress and many still stress that education is the foundation to a future, a brighter future. And so the only way to do that is to take out uh, federal student loans. Many times, these people can't even get private student loans, which might not be very good for them, but they can't get them because they don't have the, the income or the credit. And so they get the loans and they go out and they're excited and they, and they go after degree and after degree. And now they walk out there, you know, their chest pumped high and they, they've, they've achieved, they've reached their achievement only to find the daunting task of finding a job. And when, they, and when you look at your bills, when you look at, the, the basic bills, light, gas, housing, you know, cell phone these days is, is, is a necessity. And, and clothing, you know, you know, sometimes depending on you live, transportation. And you recognize that you have to live. Sometimes you're forced into accepting the job that doesn't meet all your bills because zero income doesn't work. So you accept the job somewhere that is nowhere near what you should get for your qualifications, your intelligence, your character, your everything. And now you're kind of stuck because going to work every day, probably doing long hours, doesn't give you the, the time to go out there into the job market. It's not that easy. Many employers are not welcoming for you saying, hey, I'm going on an interview. No, they're not. Because that means, number one, they're going to lose you. Number two, they're going to lose their, their production, their bottom line. They don't care about you. And all these dynamics get you stuck. And before you know it, you're, you're, you're scrounging around trying to make ends meet in the salary you have. And eventually, it, it, or at least for a period of time, until you can stand up strong, keep pushing, and not everybody can, it breaks you. And I'm making this point to say that this is part of the oppression long-term systemic oppression that these neighborhoods have faced. These youngsters in these minority neighborhoods did not go out and have millions of dollars to go buy drugs and bring back to sell to their neighborhoods. Someone in, you know, introduced them to it as an alternative way to make a living, recognizing that they can prey on these, these young minorities very easily because the other way of trying to go to college, trying to fight the system, trying to fight the systemic racism to get a job, is such a daunting task. And so many have failed and remain in those neighborhoods that they, they, they're, they're looking for any way of survival. And then they make it look easy. So they start introducing them to selling drugs. And they sell drugs and they make money and they make quick money and soon they see that going to college really doesn't matter. Not for them, at least. We have jails. We have so many minorities incarcerated. This is probably one of the few countries in the world that has so many people incarcerated, especially young people. And the, the crimes they commit, many of them in those neighborhoods become crimes of survival. One person 
against another of a rivalry has developed because, you know, there's only so many people in these neighborhoods. I mean, there are a lot, but there's only so many when there's so many dealers and there's so many people selling and there's so many people trying to make their ends meet. And then you come into my territory and, you, and, you, and you're, you're changing my lifestyle. And so, you know, we get into an argument and then they got to get rid of you. All these things happen. And, and, and the solution of this by our government is to, number one, take all those millions of resources that you're putting into other neighborhoods and share some of them or make, make a, a, a bill that directly targets these neighborhoods. Start with their playgrounds and their parks. Start with their security. And if, when I say security, if you're going to put more police, and I mean a lot more police, they also have to be police who have been trained and who are fair and who are, who are void of racism. And that's hard because human beings are human beings. I'm not talking, I'm saying across the board, right? And so what do you do? What do you do to help these people? They need schools with good teachers, Good teachers, teachers who go to college and who get their masters, many of them don't want to teach in these neighborhoods. There are few who do, and some of them become victims of crime. Crime in different ways because these kids in these neighborhoods, have some of them have really bad attitudes, not because they were born that way. No one is born a murderer. No one is born to pick up a gun. No one is born to act out and be bad. They've been conditioned that way. They face challenges in life that has put them there. And these are challenges that the, that the governments that we elect you know, every term after term are okay with. They love the fact that there's such a disparity between the rich and the poor. They need the poor to be rich. And the problem is now, you know, unless we can get them to understand and invest in these neighborhoods, we're in trouble. And this is going to continue generation after generation. I think one of the things we need to recognize is even though we are minorities, we are majority in numbers. And many of that, those majority or this majority, they have the ability to vote. But we don't make our, our votes count. And many times we don't look for leaders within our communities to step up. Imagine if the majority, which is a minority around this country, found someone within our own environment, from our own streets, who has the intelligence and the ability and we got that person to become a candidate for Senate and Congress, even President of the United States. And then we all went out and voted for him. Imagine if we had someone who actually wanted to take the funds that are going all over the world, giving away to other countries and investing it in these neighborhoods, investing it in security to a level where, and this will be tough because for a while you're going to have to stand between the rivals and you're going to have to, yes, probably a bit more incarceration. Let's be real. You're going to have to send a message that we are no longer fighting each other, that there is another way. But then the proof is in the pudding. No point talking about another way and then going to Congress and passing a bill and the bill takes 10 years to be enacted and then the money comes dribbling and it's too late. This needs a, 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 a shock and awe impact of influx of, of, of time, of effort of monies of attention one thing this current president can do right now and i come back to it again is stop telling me it's okay to pass bill after bill and get approval from congress to sell send probably over a trillion dollars to ukraine right now money that you will never get back it might pay dividends in in foreign affairs at some point years down the road but imagine if you took this 1.7 trillion dollars that's owed in student loans right now and you canceled it and you allow people, you show them that you're going to invest in this country, in our people. 
Imagine if we took all those resources that we've given away in bargaining and we've put them towards our own. You will get something back because the more these people are invested in, the more they give back to this country, this great country. I want to also mention that in case our, our well, I know they're, they're playing like they don't know, but our politician needs to realize that even the current bill that the education bill, and I'm, I, I keep going back to this because it's a start. Instead of the 5% cap of income on undergraduate loans, how about a 5% cap of income on all loans? It's, it's, it, the bill doesn't meet anything that we expected the, to, from the promises of our current president when he was campaigning. But we also understand now that a bachelor's degree is no longer making it that many of us go out and get masters to try to get that leg up. And we still fight a system that fails us, that doesn't care about us. Stopping the violence and telling young people to stop shooting each other and killing each other is a great message. But a message without an alternative, without hope, falls in deaf ears. You can't tell me to put down what I'm doing and pick up something else that leads me into a struggle where the rest of society and the politicians and the, the powers that be don't support and make my life more difficult. Some people might decide it's better to live well for a short time and to live a long time with pain and being ignored and being treated like you don't exist. Let's have this conversation. Let's talk. This has been Real Talk. I'm your host, Julian Perry. Until the next time, take care of yourselves and each other.